The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, what a week. We've both done uh, quite interesting things, <laughs> I like to think. I found my um, my my birth mum, my natural mum, my blood relative, well, what's it called? Anyway, I found my mum's grave in Maidstone. Meanwhile, you have been to see Martin Parr, who is still very much alive. He is, although I have to say, he's he's getting on a bit now. He's got a bit of a bad back. And he, <laughs> Don't he, say he that! Was the, he, was, he was talking about how he, he, he finds photography a bit easier now because he's got a mobility scooter. What? And nobody, nobody like, he doesn't find it threatening. Really? Yeah. Martin Parr? Yeah. I know. Well, not I'm that there's anything wrong with having a mobility scooter, but I just I can't imagine Martin Parr within the very piece of kit that he, he photographs within some of his stories. Yeah, no, I know. I was a bit surprised by that as well. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I mean, he's still okay. Um, we, yeah. uh, myself and Paul Waring went yesterday, which would be last Wednesday, right. yeah. um, <laughs> to the Martin Parr Foundation. Yeah. And it, it was uh, it was good, actually. He had uh, So he was basically just talking about his la- latest five books. So the way it worked was we paid £5 each to go in right. for him to show us pictures from his five latest books and then for us to buy his books off him and uh, yeah that was that was basically how it worked out he's sorted he's sorted <laughs> he's got oh. it sorted but a couple of people came up to me up to me during the show and said oh hi kevin i really like the podcast so oh. that's good so yeah, that was really nice. <laughs> they all turned away from Martin. And, uh, <laughs> never mind, Mr. Parr Mullins is over here. The Fuji cast. He's the one. And they all descended upon you. I tell you what, if he's got five five latest books, is it? Are, the, are these five? Uh, five most recent. Most recent. So, but it's still, so he's still quite prolifically making books. Oh, my word, yeah, and zines and everything, you know. And don't forget, you know, that I was a bit dis- disingenuous then. It is a not-for-profit organisation, so yeah. all of that money he does make goes back into the foundation, which is is not just his stuff. It's archiving, oh, I know, basically, I know. the world's collection of photography. Yeah, yeah. i tell you what, you'd need a... Well, uh, a scooter to, to sort of put with one of those those big baskets on the front to get all these books in there these days by the sound of it is that prolific oh, good it's an amazing place yeah. I've, yeah I've never been there and I really do want to go are you are you there's various different memberships so you're you're a you're a member, aren't you? Still, I was. I'm not any longer, but you can still go. You can go. Anybody can go. Um, you can go in and have a look at the exhibitions and all of that kind of stuff. But as a member, you get the tour and you can go in to see the archives and the private library right. and all that, which I did previously. Um, but you know, what with not being able to buy more than two tomatoes and one <laughs> carrot in this country, um, and of course, it's even though. Even though no other country in the whole of the European Union, including current 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 cold countries, mm-hmm. on sourcing tomatoes, it is nothing to do with the B word. Does the BBC no, I know, it's, no, no. mention the B word? Well, no, it's not to do with Brexit. This one, I had a real go at my auntie and uncle who I stay with this week. Says all your fault can't get tomatoes when all the time I knew it wasn't really their fault at all. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, have, have you got, it, was, it was too hot in Spain or right. too cold in Spain. Yeah. yeah, but oddly, the people in Denmark and Finland who also get their tomatoes from Spain, mm. they don't seem to be having any problems. They I don't, don't eat as many. Is. No, they don't eat as many. Oh, that's it. Is it? That's yeah, that's it. it. They're healthier than us. Don't forget, yeah. we have tomatoes. Oh, no, we, we are a nation fueled by tomato ketchup, Kev. That's right. Yeah. We literally make our houses with it. We don't have yeah. concrete or or mortar. We stick them together with Heinz 
uh, tomato ketchup. That's why Rosa we need so many. tomato ketchup on everything, even like yeah. she'll put it on top of gravy on a Sunday roast. No, that's disgusting, Kev. That's not no, a good no, habit no, at all. Right, um, so... Sometimes I need to eat it in the street. Kev today, by the way, is, is on... Um, <laughs> He, he can't make his Zoom work, so he sounds like he's a little bit in the lavatory today. Unless you really are in the lavatory. Oh yeah, I am. I always do it in the lab. Oh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a there's there's a oh there's a no, thought. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got Zoom issues yeah. for some reason. So, and I've I've had them for a couple of weeks, but have you? We'll sort them out. Don't worry. Should we swap to Skype? Should we do a by magic? Here he is now on Skype, and see if it makes any difference. Mm, we can. Should we do that? I prefer Skype. Do you prefer Skype? I'll Skype you. Have you got okay. one of those dodgy addresses, like people that are hiding things on WhatsApp? Yeah. <laughs> my, name, my name is Beautiful Laura 646 <laughs> I'm there. I'll be with you. <laughs> I'll be with you in two shakes of an MP. Hold on. Are you there, Kev? Yeah. Oh, you're already much richer. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Right, on the show today, because we run out the theme tune. On the show today, um, we have got, of course, your, your emails, your questions, either to the email address or by Facebook. I will remember not to call it. You know what? Um, and uh, uh, we've got we've got our guest, Ali. Ali is back for part two. Uh, Ali Stewart-Ross is back for part two. But also, um, this is probably a good time to mention it. Thank you very much to our sponsors, pick-time.com. Also today, we have something special, Kev. Explainez-vous. We do. We sat, so I, I sat down with uh, Amir and Narit, who are the Fengdin members of PickTime, and I chatted to them a little bit about um, how PickTime came about and the backstory and stuff. But mostly we talked about the new blogging mm. features which are rolling out in PickTime Pick subscribers right now, which is amazing. So if you are a PickTime subscriber, you will want to hear that. And it's all about the blogging stuff, which is part of your package. You don't have to pay anything extra for it. But we will uh, roll that whole uh interview if you like at the end of this show so yeah, it's, uh, it's we don't want to we yeah. don't want to burden people who are not pick time users mm. with it so it will be right at the end of the show you can hear that interview with me and narit and if you're and- if you're not a pick time user you should be um if if for any reason you need to show your work online yes but we thought we'd do it as a bonus material piece at the end so it's concentrated and so that you can hear the whole thing i know i should probably wait until i've heard the interview but are you going to use the the blog facility Uh, is it something that you might use or because you are a working professional with a blog i know you call it stories but essentially a blog is it something that you would or contemplate using yeah definitely although i'm I'm probably going to use it in a slightly different way my plan is to do private blog posts for clients and uh, do it that way so yeah rather than than kind of integrate it into squarespace which you can do very easily Um, but yes that that's my plan why would you have uh, a personal blog for clients when you do a slideshow for them already or 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 should i wait for the for the money at the end no because we don't really talk about that in the in the uh interview itself but i want to it can be more personal can't it it can be like from my point of view rather than this is a wedding and i'm i'm using this blog post to market to future clients i can do a private blog post that's part of their package you will get as part of your package with mullins photography inc you will get your own private blog post where you know i'll talk about my uh, interaction with your great auntie Maud and all of that stuff and blah 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 and you can send that to your friends and family and they can you know do what they want with it so does that mean you're going to take notes during the wedding and you'll, you'll note when things happen so that you can refer back to them 
No, I remember everything from every single wedding I've been to. <laughs> you do not, Malins. I do. I do. I've got, <laughs> do I, I'm, I'm like an elephant. <laughs> oh, God, don't say that. <laughs> uh, my my uncle, I went to see my auntie and uncle, as I mentioned, um, and my, my uncle said to me, "This, if there has ever been a driver, Kev, to lose a little bit of excess, as we call it, then it would be my uncle saying, oh, look, you're like me, you've got a parcel shelf. <laughs> I said a what? It's said a parcel, a parcel shelf. <laughs> I excused myself for a moment and then looked at myself in the mirror and said, "That is it." Yeah, I know. I I, I hear your pain. I've spent the last whatever two weeks, three weeks since uh, since my my grading just drinking and eating. But you are a lean, mean fighting machine, Kev. I'm a fat butter. Well, I wouldn't fancy my chances in the ring with you. I'd be thrown through the window within no time. Right, questions. You going first or me? Uh, I'll go first, if you so wish. Go on then. Right, as in time on a tradition, we will start with the most recent one, which is 18 hours ago, as of time of recording. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert uh, Lyskowski, who we heard from a couple of weeks ago, I think. Oh, yeah, uh, he uh, Hello again, he says. I will be brief this time. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned in my previous question, my family won't pose for me. My wife does mm-hmm. not like majority of her pictures. Uh, my 11-year-old daughter quickly learned that she can say, do not take my pictures if I do not allow you. Oh. <laughs> and if I ask her why, she would just say, because I do not like you taking pictures of me well be careful there because there are uh, current lawsuits going on i think in america aren't there of of uh, kids that are now taking their parents to to court for using their images on facebook Oh, God. Because oh. they, they, they didn't grant them permission at the time when they were five and a half. Yeah, right. Um, uh, I'm not even, that, that's not even going in my brain. Matter. Invasion of privacy! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robert goes on to say, I think I think she's just copying other adult behaviour, but I really struggle. Yeah. I, 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 pre- I, I print her some of the photos and she's happy, but at, at a constant struggle. Now, she has a nice collection of images with her hand pointing at the lens. Oh, which is cute in its own way. Uh, sometimes I feel a Bruce Gilden in my own house. Uh, <laughs> how do you approach this? Any great suggestions which will also keep my marriage safe? Yeah. Greetings from the East. <laughs> Blimey. I don't know. I mean, you've got to respect what people say, particularly in your family, if they don't want their picture made, haven't you? But it is a shame because you'll end up with no history of I suppose you could sit them down one day and give them, give them the Mullins talk. Listen, kids. This is all My about way or no way. Yeah, no. Well, I wasn't thinking about that one. I was thinking about the the historical significance of pictures and nostalgia speech. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? Because you know, ultimately, uh, the the thing is, like, so your daughter's eleven, my son's eleven, uh, Robert, and my daughter is nearly fifteen, which is like breaking my heart in a million pieces. However. Um, you know they they have they are very good and they've kind of grown up with it and they I haven't I definitely get the you know I want to look at that picture before you put it on Instagram or anything and I don't really publish much of them these days because well let's face it they're not as cute as they used to be you know just kind of teenagers don't tell and them stuff. That, Kev. yeah um, but uh, but yeah I mean you know it's if they if they say no and they they mean it then then that's it i also don't take very many pictures of Gemma because she doesn't like having a photograph taken either which is sad and you know it's it's just that's the way it is i think and i I, you know i you can 
I suppose it's a it's a long term educational thing. My kids have grown up, and as your kids, you know, Jack and Thomas have also grown up with you with a camera. Yeah, pointing they're very, at them. they're very, yeah, they're very indifferent to having pictures made. Yeah, exactly. And I think if it's a newer thing for you, uh, I don't know, Robert, if you've been photographing your kids all, all their eleven years of their lives, um, or you know, if it's newer, then it, it might be a bit more tricky. But, you know, just, yeah, I, I I would, you know, start printing things out and start, you know, doing a little mini book. You do one every year, don't you, uh, Neil, for the yeah. family, you know, and let them see it. Let them see the uh, the importance of it. Maybe if you've got any old family albums of your own from your parents' time or your grandparents' time, you know, dust them out, get them out of the attic, dust them and show them. And, you know, this is me when I was a little kid on the beach or whatever. And, you know, let them let them understand that it is important. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's a sign of the times. And kids, you know, they, the, the problem is they, they go to school and quite rightly, the school educating them on privacy and, and, you know, online protection and, you know, safeguarding. And that's absolutely the right thing to do. But at the same time, that, that can often bring in mixed messages, I think, yeah. a little bit in terms of actually you're my dad. Uh, you know, yeah, that's that's OK. <laughs> Should yeah. be. You know, so, yeah, tricky, tricky one. My kids. Of course, we're further on, so it might not be relevant now, but they do enjoy looking back at each of these years' books, particularly yeah. the ones from long, a long time ago, you know, and they think, oh, yeah, I remember we went to, you know, we went to Mallorca, and, oh, I remember going in that swimming pool. Oh, there's the elephant that I used to dive off and all that sort of – that's in a swimming pool, not in Africa um, – mm. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. They like all that, but then you're right. They grew up with it. It's just not an issue for them. Yeah, it's it is di- tricky. Yeah, tricky one. Tricky one. Just sit down. Sit, uh, sit down with your 11 year old daughter and just say, "This is how it's going to be." Uh, this is the problem with this perf- perfect world, Kev, that we live in. Everything needs to be perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and also, Robert, uh, when you uh, next time you're at the supermarket, I think you're in Poland. Yeah. Send us over some tomatoes, mate. <laughs> yeah, we could do with some. Um, this one is from Brad Wakefield. We know Brad, friend of ours, Brad Wakefield. Um, he, although he doesn't say, he just says hi, hi. <laughs> There's no hi, Kev or Neil, just hi. Yeah, I hope you're both well. Listen to the show, so I thought I'd try and think of a couple of questions. Um, okay. Oh, there's two here. Okay. Um, I've been working as a photographer for over a decade. I thought Brad was almost two decades into this into this photographic thing. He does look he does look younger than us, Kev, so maybe it is just over a decade. He's fit and healthy and good looking. He can't possibly be like anything not like us. No, no, you're <laughs> absolutely right. And I feel like I've uh, got just about enough experience to perhaps offer... What do you mean? I mean, he's been a press photographer. He's done all sorts of stuff. Uh, just enough experience to perhaps offer a form of mentoring or workshop option to my business. What's the best way to get started with this? Um, there's a several part to this first one. Um, how do you attract businesses, or business rather, if you're not a household name? And can you remember your first workshop, Kev? What was it like? What advice would you give? Let's take, let's unpick this or unpack this and do one at a time. Uh, what's the best way to get started with this? For, first of all, um, he believes he's got the experience, and he certainly has because he's done social photography, he's done news photography, he's done PR photography, he's done commercial photography. So I would say with a decade of that experience plus, he has the experience required or necessary. 
but what's the best way to get started? Yeah, well, you've got to find something that people want to learn from you. So there has to be a um, an element of experience, of course. Uh, you know, it could be, you know, look at look at your background, Brad, and think, okay, what can I do? I, I'm predominantly a wedding photographer now, but I've got a massive experience in press photography. Do they overlap? Do I do I use my press photography um, skills while I'm shooting weddings? Is that a mini workshop in its own right? Uh, you know, look at look at everything. And, and I, I know Brad's a, a very like talented photographer. He does um, I've seen his underwater work. You know, there, I can't imagine there's too many um, kind of workshops based on underwater oh God, stuff. Yeah, I forgot, I've, yeah, I forgot about that bit. That's what he started doing, that, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you've got you you have whatever it is. You have to be, you know, confident in it and also be an expert in it for sure, or at least think you're an expert in it. Don't don't go, uh, you know, running around doing workshops and things that you're not quite sure about yourself. Mm. So yeah, that's that's it. And you know, in terms of getting people to go to it, well, you you, you know, my certainly my biggest driver for my education stuff is good old fashioned mailing list. I've got about eight thousand people on it now, and every time I've got a new set of workshops, I just press button in Squarespace and. Off it goes, and then people book up. Mm. Now that's how you do it, but you you had to get that mailing list to a certain figure, certain number, certain size, and I think that plays into his next question: How do you attract business if you're not a household name? Now I know you're going to say to me straight, "Well, I'm not a household name." Mick Jagger, he's a household name, but you know what I mean. Within within your own environment, within your own genre, and and because you worked hard to hold an ambassadorial position down for so long that clearly helps uh that did help i was doing workshops before then so uh you know i had a, i had a similar conversation the other day uh somebody sent me an email and it was about you know how do you how do i get my picture seen by people it's you know on instagram it's all right for you with your you know you, you you've got a following and thirty-five thousand instagram followers or whatever and i just replied and said yep yeah, i didn't i didn't at the beginning yeah didn't i had zero we all we're, we're all born naked it that way and you know it depends on, on on how you choose to put your clothes on and how fast you put them on what <laughs> i don't want to think about this kev that's it though isn't it we're all we all start in the same place so so that that whole thing about you know household name or you've got a following it's all right for you you're an ambassador all that kind of stuff it's it, it's a hundred percent irrelevant because we all you know i wasn't and you weren't and you know you 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 do um uh, workshops and you do the um uh, you know, podcasting for photographers, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, people will say, yeah, but it's all right for you because you've got all the equipment. You were a radio DJ, you were this, you were that, mm. blah, blah, blah. And and you just say, well, yeah, but I wasn't at the beginning. You know, mm. I wasn't. I put the graft in, the effort and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, ultimately you've got to, the same principle for dragging business out of the ground for shooting weddings is the same for, for workshops, isn't it? You're, you're essentially looking for, you need to offer something that people want and you need mm. to um, price it at a point that people will pay, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and that that's it. And whether that's a case of putting the hard yards in at the beginning, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all that kind of stuff, starting to collect mailing lists, uh, you know, the, the, the four photographers section on my website is where it's the only place where I collect the mailing list. It doesn't that mailing list doesn't pop up on my, my main wedding area kind of thing. I don't mm. get clients clicking on it um you know and and you've got to go that way and start canvassing and uh you know seeing what people want yeah it's just like getting business anywhere you you you've got to you've got to kind of do it just get out there do it can i can i use the c word kev Ooh. um courage 
Yes, and that when it comes to charging, you need a you need a you need some courage. You need to know your worth. You need to appreciate your worth. I this is now this is one of my Achilles heels um, because I I I was only having a conversation the other day with a photographer who I interviewed who said you need to know your worth, Neil. I thought I was told off for for the right reasons. How, I mean, when you set your prices, Kev. It, there is a there is an element of well, it's all sorts of things at play here: self belief, courage, all those sort of things. Of course, there, you know there is that, and and it's a, just the same as pricing weddings, isn't it? Some people underprice, some people overprice, yeah. some people get it spot on for mm. their skill level, experience, all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not an answer you can just give in terms of this is Brad, you know, I know Brad, this is what you should do a workshop on and this is how much you should charge and this is where you, you're going to get your clients. Mm. Um, but, it, you know, I do know Brad, I do know he has the capabilities to do that kind of thing. Um, but it's, it, yeah, you, you, you don't, don't undersell yourself for sure. Mm. But also like workshops in the, in the UK, people are reluctant to give money to other photographers. Um, certainly in the wedding world, there, there are people out there who will invest in education and that's important. Uh, you know, I still go on workshops myself, but it seems like in the United States, they are far more comfortable with understanding the value of education. Whereas a lot of people in the UK go, hmm, why is he earning money from workshops? <laughs> yeah, it's a very different mentality. Uh, yeah, indeed, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, there was a, a, another part, last part of this particular question. Can you remember your first workshop, Kev? Which kind of plays into my question of saying, when's the right time? When, when is the first one? I mean, my first, Kev, I think came after, it was reasonably early because I, I went from doing five, ten weddings a year to 80 weddings a year within, within five, six years. So I felt at that point I was I was I was thinking, whoa, this is working. I can do something about sort of maximising weddings and you know handling the amount you do and and all the marketing and so on and so forth to get there. But I mean, is when is the right time? When when can you do a, a workshop, Kev? Is it three or is it four? When 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 are you? That, that's way too young. <laughs> you know well, what i mean i refused i had lots of, so uh, here's a little bit of history about my workshop stuff um i i refused to do a workshop until i'd been shooting weddings for five years right i didn't think it was right or and i did have quite a few people saying oh you know are you ever going to do a workshop and I, and I held off and five years and i still didn't think that i was um eligible to do kind of wedding photography workshops or street photography or anything like that but the one thing that I did have uh, a very good uh, knowledge of at that time was SEO for photographers. Mm. So that was the very first workshop was SEO for ah, photographers. Right, yeah. And I also remember doing SWPP wanted me to do a, a master uh, super modern whatever they call it the, the open classes at no, um, master, master class wasn't it uh, the SWPP convention yeah not yeah. you know the one that, like the open rooms right. and. Uh, I said, yeah, all right, I'll do it on SEO for photographers. And, and they were like, uh, you, you know, that people really like it when there's a model and you can take photos of it and stuff. Right. Okay. I was like, all right, well, I won't do it then. Um, and, and then they, they kind of came back and said, okay, you, you can do it. And, and no word of a lie, it was the most, it was the biggest attended session that year. Ooh. This was this was like Ooh. 10 years ago or whatever it was. Ooh. And it was packed, absolutely packed. People were like at the door and, you know, they, people were complaining they couldn't get in and all that kind of stuff. And, and and that's when, you know, I started doing like the independent SEO for photographers workshops then. I did them for a while. I stopped doing that because people were ripping it off. I even found one guy had 
I posted the PDF on uh, eBay for sale, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I, I, I do those on a kind of one-to-one basis now. But but yeah, that that's that was my knowledge. So I had very very good knowledge because that was my previous world um, of that, and that's what I I kind of started out my workshop world with. And I think it was probably seven or eight years at least before I actually did a wedding photography workshop. Maybe even more, you know. Do you, do you think there's more in the... So you have to put your British head on for this one. Do you think there there's more appetite for one-to-ones in the UK than there is now for the larger workshop classes? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, during lockdown, of course, I, would, you know, I did a load of one-to-ones uh, all over Zoom. Um, but, yeah, I um, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I'm going to say no. <laughs> right so so still the larger the one to ones are more expensive obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you know it's it's one to one so um i mean my biggest the, the thing that always sells out really quickly for me is my one day wedding photojournalism workshop which i only do twice a year and then the street photography ones especially the ones in london they they just fly off the shelves and and you know and that's it and it's yeah, people people will go, but it's you know the one to one stuff is dried up. I I still do a, a bit of it, but it's nowhere right. near like you know after shortly after the pandemic and during the pandemic. Do you remember the last the last episode we had? We had one one question that seemed to uh, hold the attention for the entire first half. I think this might be very similar. Um, <laughs> what what do you think holds people back from pushing their? Um, this is like a sixty million dollar question now from Brad, um, who has signed off with a kiss. By the way, I think that's more for you than me. Um, what what do you think holds people back from pushing their photography forwards? Um, well, self belief is uh, self belief is, and I talked to Brad about this. So, so sort of, um, I suppose, full disclosure, if you like. And we were having a conversation about this following his question, and, and it was all to do with belief and this horrible thing. It's become a buzzword, hasn't it? The uh, this imposter syndrome. And I think a lot of photographers suffer from that. It, it's, I think self-belief holds people back from all sorts of things in life. From, from yeah, you know, okay. b- believing you'll get a black belt through to, you know, believing that there'll be enough tomatoes for the ketchup next week. <laughs> if we're talking about this in terms of, as Brad said, you know, what stops people pushing their photography forward, I'm assuming he means into, into a working capacity of a workshop. Something like that. Oh no, I think they they might be mutually exclusive. But I suppose if you take it from a from a, I don't think he's asking about the workshop. I think he's I think he's talking more about you know photographers pushing forward and getting the the next level. Well, then I would af- I would ask probably what what's the objective and you know what what is the next level? What what is it you're striving for? Is it more money or is it more exposure mm. or is it more interest in work? Um, Whatever, you know, I, I know that some people, you know, some people will struggle, you know, putting pictures on, on their blog or on Instagram or whatever, you know, and, you know, but they shouldn't, yeah, that, that imposter syndrome thing, you know, ultimately don't don't worry about what other photographers think, just worry about what clients think. Yeah. Now, if you're an editorial or you're a magnum photographer or something like that, you know, your clients are not, your you, your clients are not other photographers, your clients are the, are the commission. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine they'd be sat there going, Going, hmm, I don't know, you know, I'm going to get paid for this, but I don't really want to put it publicly because of what other photographers will think. You know, that, that I just don't think that would be going through their head. It will be like, mm-hmm. I've done this and I've made my money from it. 
and and that's the important thing isn't it but i think from a if you're a photographer who, who wants projects and not necessarily you know like ngo work or something not necessarily for income then you do need to put your work out there and you you just have to get over that that hurdle really yeah, the int- introspection can be a, a problem for many many photographers um, that's an artist problem, isn't it? Yeah. Artists generally, but but the two, the they, two, the, the two are bed partners, though. And that's that's the problem about photography: is creativity and money, which um, which, as a friend said to me recently, don't necessarily go together too well. No, exactly. I mean, look at how many artists have, you know, sadly kind of killed themselves, cut their own ears off, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, musicians, artists, painters, you know, sculpturists, they all, they, ultimately, they're their, worst, their own worst critics. I think it's much harder these days, obviously, because the, 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 the open shop window of the internet is there, yeah. you know. And uh, I, I thought it was quite interesting last night, Martin Parle, um thing was, you know, there, there were some images there that, other, other, I know, like I loved all of them because I love his work. Work, but yeah. I know that there would be some people would be going, hmm, well, I could have done that, you know. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the, the fact is, perhaps they could have done that, but, but they, they didn't. But they didn't. You know, no. They weren't the ones that got commissioned by the Lawn Tennis Association to do the behind the scenes at Wimbledon. No. And you know, and and so you can moan and whinge about it as much as you want. But and then of course the the question will be, yeah, but that's Martin Pye. He's you know he's Magnum. You know, it's like, but he wasn't beginning. He worked hard in a local newspaper and got where he wanted to go. So, you know, it's hard work, isn't it? And, you know, this this is a very long conversation. It's probably already too long. But ultimately, if you work hard, rewards will come. That's that's my motto. Or one of my mottos. I've got loads of mottos. One of them is Brexit is boss. I was actually heading towards a really nice dovetail bit where I was going to say, talking of hard work, although you've driven a JCB through that, um, talk, talking of hard work, rewind. Pretend Kev didn't say that bit, which I will leave in though. Um, it, talking of working hard, Ali Stewart Ross. That was my link, Kev. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, Ali. Ali is the second part of Ali's interview, and she did work very, very hard, and she has got good rewards. Yes, there we go. Here is here is a reason. Maybe even tomatoes. <laughs> Maybe even tomatoes. Here's the second part then of uh, Kev's conversation with Ali. We're starting following on from the last episode where we discovered Facebook marketing worked well for uh, for her newborn photography brand, Mabel and Moose, which is based in eastern Scotland on the beautiful Firth of Tay. Uh, Kev was keen to know how many sittings Ali is able to build from that marketing. It goes up and down. I think I had something like, I can't remember my numbers now, I think I had 90 babies the first year or something like that, so... Mm. What I what I do tend to do is I is I book out my week. I really book it out quite heavily because people will decide to cancel for all mm-hmm. sorts of reasons. You know, if you've if you've you know, when Gemma just had Rosa, for instance, she might have thought it was a fantastic idea to go and have a newborn photo shoot two days after she was born until she actually had the baby and then decided that that maybe wasn't the best idea. So I've got mums that will, will just think, I just can't face getting out of bed, never mind going to a photo shoot. Yeah. That's where the baby's late or early or the baby's ill. And I do children up to a year old, so obviously, yeah. uh, you know, they can go to bed one night and wake up the next morning and they're they're not very well. So my, yeah. my week can change. Some I think the most I've shot in one week was something like 10, and I was absolutely exhausted. I had two sets of twins, a set of triplets. So how does the session pan out? They they turn up, let's say they've, they've got the 10 o'clock slot. Yeah. Um, they turn up at 10 o'clock. What happens? They turn up at 10 o'clock. I just have a little five, ten minute chat to them, let them settle in, 
let them have a look around the studio to, so they're really quite comfortable because they're, they're about to hand me the most precious thing that they've ever owned and then I will just I've got a, a beanbag I photograph the baby on the beanbag and sometimes in the parents arms mm-hmm. and I really just go with the flow of what the baby needs and wants so every session's mm-hmm. different and I always tell parents that because I think parents worry that their baby's not behaving itself yeah. and that's yeah. just silly because babies just do what they do so sometimes I can literally take two pictures of the baby and then sit and chat to the parents for an hour and a half while they feed it and then we do it all at the end other times it's the other way around other times if it's a a breastfed baby that's cluster feeding they'll be on and off and on and off and it's it's very sort of intermittent but I always get a really nice gallery to show them it's not so I guess it's not easy to um stack the book in so have one at 10 one at 12 one at two kind of thing no no I've got I've got one at 10 and then pretty much they're all at 10 if the baby's a little bit older or it's a first birthday session I I will do it at two Mm-hmm. Um, very occasionally I do a maternity session later on but I think I don't really do very many but pretty much 10 o'clock they usually last I always look at my watch and like 10 to 1 and that's it finished really <laughs> pretty yeah. much yeah yeah it's funny how things go like that isn't it you yeah it's get weird little patterns of things um so in terms of um gear and technology what are you how are you taking these beautiful pictures well I have to say all the Oh, your listeners will probably throw up their hands in horror. I don't actually think I've, I haven't changed my lens in two years. I used to be a complete, I wouldn't say a gear junkie, but yeah, I probably was. I had, well, you know what I had. I had loads of lenses. The bag looked a bit like yours. Never had a lens cap, never had a divider. Everything was thrown in. I had long lenses, wide lenses. I only shot prime. Couldn't have touched a zoom. And now I do the whole thing with, do you know what? I don't even know what it is, Kevin. I've got it here. <laughs> Give me one that's, that's how interested I am in the actual camera. It is an 18 to 55 kit lens. Okay. Yeah. Came with an X-T3. Yeah. I got after, I don't know if you remember when I came down to Bath to the Fiji X conference and after I'd done the two-man workshop and then came to yours and some lovely sod on the train on the way home nicked all my gear. And oh, of course. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Everything nicked. And well, I got one, I had only taken one X-T2 with me and I got it replaced by an X-T3 and it came with a kit lens, which I thought, never use that and threw it yeah. in the door. Of course, it's actually the only lens I own now and it has not left the X-T3 in, since I started Mabel and Moose. Yeah, and that's great, isn't it? There's something to be said for, you know, for kit lenses and all that kind of stuff, but also... Yeah. Just for um, uh, you know cohesion of your your style, I think you know if you if you shoot everything with a particular lens, it, it makes the images the images are going to look exactly like what they're seeing on the website. There's no kind of confusion in the client's mind or anything. So that's great. And and are you using? Do you use any kind of? Is it all natural? Have you got a nice natural light studio? Have this vision of you in the hills of Scotland, with <laughs> I can you know I know that you love the kind of. Um, scandinavian simplistic approach to things so i see that i vision this this house on a hill that's white and with these beautiful big glass windows and all this lovely open light uh, i might be way off the mark there but that's that's what i envision <laughs> yeah, you'll, need, you'll need to come and visit kevin with Gemma. no it's basically a four bed detached house in a normal modern estate with a detached garage which right is my studio um so i had the garage converted it's a double garage and it's just a normal standard 18 foot by 18 foot garage 
And about, I don't know, about 18 years ago, when I was doing a lot of commercial work, I had the garage completely properly converted. Because actually, it's quite funny, I was doing, there's a local company, which some of your, uh, your listeners might actually have heard of, Mrs. Bridges and Mackay's Jam. They're, they're huge. They're in all the big supermarkets and things. Anyway, they're based in Carnoustie locally. I got the job of photographing all their zillions of different types of jam. They wanted kind of Marks and Spencer's type looking shots plus pack shots. And I was doing it all in my garage. And I did it for about two years until the managing director came along to give me some extra jars that we'd forgotten. And what he didn't realise was he knew I was working from home, but it really was a garage. I mean, it Mm. wasn't even converted at that point. I had my husband's motorbike in the corner. There was a cage with four of the squeakiest guinea pigs with hay (laughs) everywhere. And any time I wanted to move the light, because it was a big, um, it was a brown colour. I mean, it was like about £20,000 worth of light in this garage. And any time I wanted to move the light, because it was so tall and there was rafters, I had to take the entire setup down, the table and everything, and move it four inches and put it back up. So at that point, I thought, no, I'm going to... I'm going to convert it and it's been like that ever since so yeah it does have windows it's got two big what were the garage doors as windows but um I don't use natural light I use strobe or flashes what kind of flashes are you using two ancient old bones I've had for about 20 years they're not even the same power one's a 250 and one's a 400 Mm. all sorts of bits of gaffer tape and stuff holding them together i haven't had a modeling light in about 14 years yeah (laughs) that's brilliant i love it i love i love the way this story evolves you know into into the success that that you you kind of become now um any i don't know if you can share anything but i always ask this question any any kind of uh funny stories that have happened it doesn't have to be at mabel and moose perhaps when you're shooting weddings or anything that you you know immediately strikes you as oh that was a day i'll i'll never forget yeah oh gosh i I don't know if i can remember them now i used to have loads from wedding photography and from commercial photography um well there was (laughs) there was one job i had for a local advertising company and it was it was coffins so they had these um i don't know if you've seen these coffins made from from wicker they're like oh yeah they're yeah, like yeah. giant moses baskets and they also did normal coffins so the advertising guy and the one of the designers and myself and a couple of people from the office dressed in black and went up to our local <laughs> country park because they had to set up this woodland burial coffin thing so of course we were we were all there and I'm standing I just looked like the photographer that was photographing the funeral <laughs> and we had this coffin and flowers and all the rest of it and we kept moving around the park so as they had different bits it was quite funny <laughs> because all the people that were out walking their dogs would be silencing their children and walking past with their heads bowed and like sorry so and then we'd pick the coffin up and then we'd, we'd like run <laughs> we'd run across the path <laughs> to another bit That's and then like... the other part of the job was actual proper wooden coffins so at one point a, a large van appeared at my house and these three guys dumped about 15 coffins into my my garage <laughs> and so the kids were all sitting in them at night going oh is this cool <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, that is that's an incredible story. Um, I've, got, so, I've got so many. Honestly, I used to use my kids for everything. I tell you, if anybody's listening and you have small children, become a commercial photographer because most commercial jobs, like for the council or for all these things, they require people in them. And if it's a child, it's really difficult to get the parents' permission. So of course. My, I had four. It was great. They were in every single local publication, every Scottish government thing for years, and they all hate me for it now. Um, 
And I had my mother-in-law, well, they weren't at the time, but my mother-in-law and father-in-law, who they weren't elderly, they were in their 70s, but I had to do, I used to do a lot of jobs where like the Scottish government or big quangles that are up here would just ask me for a bank of photography. So they'd just hire me for like six days and say, we need kids crossing the street, we need underage mothers, we need everything. So of course, all my children were made into underage mothers. Graham's mum and dad, I remember photographing them, um, you know, just like stock photography, like his dad turning up the central heating and it was his hand. And and there was one photograph that I put in where his mum was bringing his dad a cup of tea. And I just caught them at the wrong moment. They were just so lovely, adored each other. And his dad was looking like like daggers at his mum. And I put it in. Well, it ended up on an A4 booklet that went to every house in the entire county. domestic abuse in the elderly <laughs> clustered all over the top <laughs> so my husband had to go out to their house luckily they were delivered in an envelope so he went out and removed it from the I don't think they ever saw it oh my word brilliant absolutely brilliant okay so uh what's next over the next six 12 months Ali for yourself and Mabel and Moose how's how's things gonna progress well I think over the next year I I plan i've introduced a few new products this month uh, sort of slightly higher end products from from graphy studio so i'm going to be doing that i'm still going to be using all the amazing mounts i get everything else from 3xm and from loxley and i think just just growing the business trying to get my average up a little bit but not not massively you know i'm really happy with the way it's going and i think it's really important i do want to go into to training i've got some action sets that you well you know you've been helping me with them so they're going to be released reasonably soon I also work with um, a natural flow posing guide that um, I can refer to when I don't think it's stuck in a shoot but you know if if you're going along you just you don't need to be thinking about which is the next shot you're going to take because I'm just Mm. referring to this guide that I've made and if it's very flexible if the baby suddenly wakens up I can jump to another part of it I've, I've got about five of them because I've got Baby with just a mum. I've got. And are these things that people can buy? Are these yeah, things you've designed? Not they at can the moment, but yes, I'm, I'm putting them into a format where they're they're going to be available for people to buy. So if you've got, if you've got a little baby that's able to sit up, you would be able to get your your flow posing guide and have a look at it. And there'll be one with a sibling, one with two mums, one with two dads, one with a mum and dad. Perfect. And it, it makes life just so much easier. Uh, you don't need to think about it. I think what I do. I mean, I do myself a photographer but I think I'm actually almost not a photographer now because I just use the same camera the same lens the same f-stop I'm really dealing with the baby and the parents and sorting out the backgrounds and the fabric yeah. and things like that yeah 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 kind of so managing obviously you, you have to know about photography because at the minute something goes wrong you need to you need to be able to, yeah. to change it and fix it but but using you- a flow posing guide makes things really really easy yeah. yeah. Do you shoot tethered at all? Do you do you have a screen that you can see that refer to the images on or is it? No, just the one on the back of the camera. Yeah. And in fact, using I use an X-T3. I know an awful lot of newborn photographers are still shooting with a DSLR. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it would give me a bit of the fear to be holding a giant D800 above a baby's head or something and then trying, because I'm quite small, trying to right. then look, look into the viewfinder to see what you're getting. Whereas I can just hold it above my head can't remember the last time I looked through a viewfinder. Even when I was shooting weddings, I didn't use a viewfinder. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. You don't want to be dropping a big DSLR on, on little baby, do you? No, um, it's nicer if you just stop an XT3. It's not as <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> XT3, it'll just bounce. Um, and and what about um, uh, kind of, uh, do you offer training and that kind of stuff, as well as the um, the cards that might be coming in the future? Do you do kind of want Yes, to I, I haven't offered trainings yet, but I've got so many people asking me about it and so i've got about i think three i think three is enough to start with this year mm. in-person workshops which will be at my studio right so the final question that i always ask everybody which always uh freaks people out when i ask them it is uh if you could shoot for one day with one other photographer either dead or alive who would it be and why oh gosh <laughs> can i have can i have three <laughs> four <laughs> Yeah, go on. Then, I you don't can. know if I can choose. I absolutely adore Sue Bryce. Um, yeah. She's fantastic. And I just recently in November went over and did. She's she's bringing out a self-value workshop, which is all about self-value, but it's, it's quite linked to photography as well. So I was in the first group of people that were there when she's filming it. So that was fantastic. And we got a day at her studio. So I'd, God, I'd love to spend a day shooting with her. Yeah. I'd love, if I was brave enough, I'd love to go back in time and spend a day with John McCullen, but I probably wouldn't be that brave. <laughs> mm, yeah, you might you might be able to spend a day with him in the in the rolling hills of Somerset these days. Yeah. Nicer, nicer day out, I would have thought. I always uh, fancied myself as a war photographer when I was when I was really young, but I would never have had the bravery to do it. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, yes, well, bravery, that's the, the only word to really describe it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Ali, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Where can people find you, social media, website, all of that good stuff? All of that stuff. Well, uh, website is under Mabel and Moose, and it's M-A-B-E-L-A-N-D-M-O-O-S-E.co.uk. My Twitter, I think, is just Mabel and Moose. My Facebook and Instagram is Mabel and Moose Newborn and I have just started a, a new Instagram account which is Mabel and Moose Education. So that's really one for photographers. And there's a there's a link on the Mabel and Moose Education on Instagram. There's a link to the website that shows the training part of it if that's what anybody's interested in because it's not visible to anybody else cool. jumping onto my website. And our thanks to Ali Stewart-Ross for her time uh, with us on the podcast over the last couple of episodes. Is it too early, Kev? Tell me, you're going to tell me off now. You say, don't mention it yet, but I'll just sort of tease it in. That perhaps next year, perhaps near the start of the year, perhaps you and I are going to do a special couple of days, perhaps at the House of Photography. Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> How old will we be then? Oh, I don't know, Kev. I don't want to think about stuff like that. I'll be one year older. Thinking more about the podcast. Four? Oh, I thought you meant us. I was thinking, <laughs> I where, where's the relevance? <laughs> four, four, because we were in February. We were born in February. And, yeah, it seems like a good time to me. Oh, and could it be our fourth birthday celebration? Yes, with a few other bits and pieces that we'll work on as ideas. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. So, sometime, sometime early next year, maybe February time. Yeah. To try and do some kind of bish bash bosh it's toward the like, latter end of, of february because i'm in uh, i'm in africa at the start of february i know where i am at the start of february yeah i'll be up yeah. the i'll be up the river hopefully with a paddle otherwise we'll be in trouble um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so put the whole of february aside because something special is happening yeah, yeah. Now you've now, you know you've said something about it. We have to actually do something. Well, so. I thought that might help. Yeah, 
Right. Okay. Questions. Um, yours from. Uh, I hope. I hope your wonderful, your much better half is noticing that I've not said it once this week. Um, here's one from Facebook. <laughs> it was our 15 year unofficial wedding anniversary yesterday. Was it? 15 years. Yeah. We, we've been married twice to each other. Oh. Okay. So we're technically 15 years was yesterday our wedding anniversary, but untechnically we've only been married for two years. I think I get that. Because we had the renewal, the renewal thing, didn't we, and the yeah. baptism and all that. So we, we kind of—that's our official wedding anniversary now—is in August. Although, as Gemma said to me yesterday, do you remember what day it was in August? And I said uh, it was a Saturday. She said, "Yeah, but what date?" <laughs> and I said it was some. It w- wasn't the tenth because that was my birthday. So it was something like the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, or fifteenth. <laughs> and were any of those right? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, 14th, I think, or was it 15th? I don't know. Oh, but God. I always remember the first the first official wedding anniversary because it was St. David's Day, which was the 1st oh, of March. Right. Anyway, what, what, why did I start talking about that? There was a reason for it. You said about Gemma and, the, and Facebook. Oh, right? in the Facebook, yes. Yeah, so so yeah. from but, Facebook, the following question. Paul, Paul, who I who who came with me, or actually I went with him. He was the one that organised it to the uh, Martin Power Foundation last night. Paul Waring sent in approximately a thousand uh, questions on right. Facebook, um, so I'm cherry picking some of them. Yeah. Uh, here we go. He says, "Holla, photography therapists! <laughs> what is the most unusual or downright worst piece of photography gear you've been duped into buying?" Oh. We all suffer from gas and end up spending our hard-earned money on something we definitely didn't need, with the assumption. We'll I be think for. I've still got it in this cupboard. Hold on. And it's not your 35 mil, because that would be amazing. Can you see that, Kev? Yeah. That is the... It's made by Parrot. And I'm sure some people have made great use out of this. Oh, it's a, it's a, um, it's a teleprompter. It is. It's, it's a small teleprompter to go on the front of small lenses. Yeah, stick your phone under it. Stick your phone under it, and then you can you hold it out at an arm's reach, and you've got a teleprompter machine. Yeah, well, I actually have that. I, I can't see it, of course. We we can't see it. I guessed it was the teleprompter, but I have a, a parrot teleprompter. When I when I do my YouTube stuff, I use it all the time. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think it works really well. well. I do. Well, I have a teleprompter thing, but it's it's a larger one because I always found the parrot one too small. The other one was a Gary um, thingy bob. Um, it, yeah. it was the thing you put on the top of your flash that all yeah. it ever did was fall off mine <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i remember that yeah i tell you what that's a great biography though if you ever get gary fong's biography i can't remember what it's called it must be around on yeah. ebay and amazon and stuff really 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 good talk about a fellow that worked hard and got his just rewards oh god yeah yeah very good um and then his house burned down or something which is awful but anyway wow. um yeah well so for me it's uh and i suspect this is why paul asked this question because a couple of years ago or maybe it was last year at the photography show paul said oh you've got to get one of these um things and I, i'm not going to mention the brand or the name of it because they are actually really very good but it's one of those things that you you you, you can do lightroom editing in with a um you know, like buttons and dials and it's like a little paddle thing. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, yeah, 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 I've got one of them, it's great. And so I walked over with Paul and spent about 150 quid on this thing that I literally have never used. And you're, used and you're not going to tell us what this thing is? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to mention the name because I know that a lot of people use them and right. they are really good. Paul swears by it, for example. And right. I know a lot of people, the, the, the reason why I, I just don't get on with it is because I like mice, mouses, mouse. I can't use. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I've got, I've got one as well. Yeah, um, I've never, 
I've never used it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but they are very good. But I'm not going to say what it is. Mm, but I know what but you yeah, mean. Yeah. It's one of those things. And Paul was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's great." And uh, and I literally just went, mm, "Not for me. Not for me." Not for me. <laughs> yeah. So um, on the flip yeah. side, things that I really would like that I think would be really useful. Um, I wanted I uh, mentioned some magnetic filters. Yeah. And uh, Quinn White got in touch. Now, you have to believe whatever Quinn White says is correct because he is an assistant professor in the philosophy department of Harvard University. My word. I mean, there is a man you would never argue with. No. And no, there are there, yeah, he certainly he would be my wingman at any pub quiz. <laughs> but yeah. uh, he said uh, I use the case system with a K. And they're amazing. They come in great sizes, very fast, and very nice. Since I got mine, they even came out with a set that has colour-coded knurled grips. So you can quickly tell your three from your six and a ten stop. The one thing to note is the CPL is also a magnet. And while it's uh, easy enough to spin, it's not as smooth as on a filter that screws on and then has the filter spinning on bearings of some kind. Anyway, I love mine, he says. Um, so there we go. Case, K-A-S-E. Excellent. Mm. From a professor, assistant professor of philosophy, no yeah. doubt. He's got to be right. Everything he says is correct. Yeah. Uh, right, I'll squeeze another one in from Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Greetings, oh. Snapchaps. Can you, can you recall the biggest lesson you've had in your career? Uh, an event, realisation or epiphany that really changed your outlook or the way you do things? And the reason why I'm squeezing this in, because the biggest lesson I had in my career is to never walk around a photography show with Paul Waring. Why? Boom. <laughs> Why would you? Should you never walk around with Paul wearing it? Because he's the one. He's the fellow. What made me buy that thing that I don't use? Oh, oh <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> the biggest lesson I've ever learned is never to ask somebody uh, to cut a wedding cake by chopping the top off it. <laughs> with a because that's how I got. It's a, a shot I'm proud of. But on the profiterole, never get never. French cakes are, uh, are often cut by slicing them with a knife. Uh, no, a, a sword, usually, aren't they? A big sword. Yeah. Yeah. And the top goes flying off in slow motion at 240 frames per second. Yeah. And profiterole cakes are one thing that you can take a sword to. Not if they've got some doweling going right up the middle of them, holding the whole thing together. Because <laughs> then the cake just flies off. Yeah. Try explaining yeah. that. Also, it is a great picture, though. No, sorry, <laughs> didn't mean for that to happen. But that—that's a bit of a frivolous thing, Kev. I don't know what's yours. I'll try and think of a more serious one. Uh, no, my one is don't go anywhere with Paul Waring. I was. <laughs> okay. I will stick with two frivolouses. Yeah. Does he have a third one? I like his questions. He's got loads of questions. Go on actually. then. Let's do a third. Let's do another one. Um, right. Okay. Next one he said is hi to the pair without hair. <laughs> Does every single one have a? Have a preamble to it. A little anecdote at the beginning. I yeah. love it. See, I'm, has he got a hundred of these? We could do a whole series. If you were given a quarter of a million pounds, yeah. an X100V and a year off, where would you go? Obviously, I'm looking for potential photography rated expeditions or projects. I know Kev is probably going to tell me he would leave the camera, Gemma and the kids at home and spend a year in the Bahamas on a bar. A bar probably store. not in a, yeah, on a bar stool. You'd be in, no, you'd be in a hot tub at a bar. Yeah. That's mm. what you'd, that's what you'd do. These are brilliant questions. So you've got a quarter of a million pound and an X100V yeah. and a year to do something. What are you going to do? I could probably sell it for a quarter of a million. You can't get hold of them. You could. <laughs> yeah, you could sell the X100V and then have half a million pounds. <laughs> you could. 
Oh, I don't know. Where would I go with it? Oh, the world is our oyster. I tell you where I would go because I feel I've got lots of unfinished business. Well, I've got an unfinished story there for a start. Is I would love to head back to West Africa because I I really want to. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going there. You're going there. Though, I'm going there. Yeah, I'm going. So does that not count then? I'm not allowed to include that one. No, because you got. Well, yeah, I suppose you could. Yeah, you've got a year to do it. Two hundred fifty thousand pounds. The next one hundred fifty. Yeah, you suppose. Mm. I suppose. No, I, I, oh, oh, I know. I oh, know. I've thought. No, I've thought. I've thought of another one. I've always wanted to go to the Arctic on one of those big icebreaker boats. One of those big sort of um, expedition boats. I've always wanted to go to the Arctic. I'd have to take a lot of batteries because they'd run out quickly, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think they got electricity in those booths, though, don't they? Haven't they? Because you get you get like tourist ships turn up, don't they, and stuff like that. No, it wasn't that, Kev. I meant that as I take the camera out, <laughs> a, a cold camera, cold batteries are going to run out quicker. Yeah, they will. You're right. It's not going to cost you two hundred and fifty. You've got to spend two hundred and fifty thousand pounds on this project. So oh. just go in somewhere. That's the challenge of the question. Mm. It needs to be something that has an added expense. Oh, what about hiring? Um, something like one one of the because you can get them one of these uh, jet fighters, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just trying to spend 250k now, Kev. This isn't really the way it's supposed to work, is it? Uh, oh. Did you see that documentary about the guy that that sued Pepsi for? I think it was Pepsi for he wanted a fighter. One of the it was in the 70s or 80s, and it was mm. a TV advert, and it said you could win a fighter jet. And, and he figured out a way of collecting all of the vouchers. You just needed the vouchers, and they wouldn't give it to him. Uh, it was a really interesting documentary. It goes on. It went on for about twenty years. The lawsuit was that definitely uh, was that definitely Pepsi? Should we check? <laughs> uh, I'm sure it was Pepsi. I don't really know. I don't, I'm, I'm just going to look at it. what what was it? Pepsi lawsuit documentary. There we go. Is that the one? About, about a jet fighter. A new documentary. That was it. Um, when Cola Brand launched a points for prizes scheme in the nineties. John Leonard spotted a loophole and fought for what he saw as rightly his, a yeah. Harrier jump jet. Yeah. A new, a Pepsi, new... Does it say cola brand or are you just being... Ah, no, 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 that's what the first bit said. But then, uh, this is from The Guardian. In 1996, PepsiCo, then known for creating the young, cool, carbonated drink of a generation, made an incredible mistake. Their words. And yeah. then, and then it, uh, it goes on about their Pepsi points scheme in yeah. which customers or consumers, if you like, could save Pepsi labels and redeem them against Pepsi-branded merchandise. Don't, S- don't ruin it for people. 60 <laughs> tokens would get you a hat. 400, you get a denim jacket. But <laughs> but the, but he, but he anybody who collected 7 million labels will be eligible for a brand-new Harrier jump jet. And that's where I'll stop. Yes. What's the name of the, what's the, name of the documentary? It was. It was, it was Pe- PepsiCo was a company. The documentary, oh, it doesn't say. It doesn't say what the documentary is called. Uh, well, yeah, search out. We'll find it out and we'll put it in the links. But it's really good. It's really, really good. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what happened at the end? No, don't tell us. That would be a spoiler. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what happened at the end. Right, okay. Um, have you Have you found out what you would? Do with your, uh, no, I'm kind of uh, yeah. I was I was thinking along the same lines. I I don't I think I'd need more than two hundred fifty thousand. I think I need probably about eighty five million. Mm-hmm. Um, for what I want to do, I don't know. I'd like to. So what? Maybe maybe if we have to. So okay, I'm going to answer this twice. I'm going to answer it in the way you did first, which is not including not nothing to do with the two hundred fifty thousand pounds or spending it all. So what I'd like to do is take a photograph of the oldest living person on all of the inhabited islands of Britain. That was that's my little project in my head. Wow. Okay. Um, so like the Isle of Arran and yeah. the Isle of 
Japan and everywhere else, yeah. all of those places, go around and spend a day with each of them. However, um, that probably wouldn't also come to £250,000. So what I would maybe I'd like to do is find a very, very small grassroots football club and uh, give them the £250,000 yeah. and spend a year just documenting what happened next. Actually, not football, rugby. Brilliant. Rugby is much better than football. There we go. Good. Yeah, certainly not cricket. I'd rather hit myself over the head with the camera rather than watch cricket. <laughs> who, who is it? That, who did uh, Justified Ages of Moo Moo? Um, uh, KLF. Um, KLF, and, yeah, and Tammy Wynette, wasn't it? Uh, well, she was. they did that song with her, yeah, but they, the, the, the White Album, they said, oh, right. if we make a million pounds, we're going to burn it because the world's too capitalist. Right. Uh, and they did. <laughs> Did they? Yeah, there's a documentary about that as well. They must have got in trouble for that. All the good things they could do with that money. Well, I know where they're justified in ancient. They can do what they want. Oh, I suppose so. Right. Um, book. Book of the week. Book of the week. What have you got, Kev? So I've got a lovely book that was uh, sent to me by um, uh, another photographer, Tony Hart, yeah. um, who I was uh, photographing him in my studio a couple of weeks ago. And Tony Hart? Yes. Not the Tony Hart of the, the art of oh. Vision On. No. Uh, Here is the gallery. Do 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 do. Do you remember that? Yes, <laughs> I do. Uh, Tony, I purposely didn't go down the route of chatting about it. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. T Tony Hart. Uh, Tony Hart still you, alive? You're uh, not sure. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, hmm. All I can find is the Tony Hart School of Motoring, and I'm sure that's not right. You're you're um, you're morphing this into a conversation it shouldn't be. I know. Go on. I, I carry on. Do you, no, do you see the joke? Morphin. Morph. Oh, Kev. The <laughs> oh, that was the money joke. <laughs> this book, which is beautiful, is called Lump. Right. The dog who ate a Picasso. Oh, right. Have you ever heard of it? I'd never heard of this book. Um, and it's it's somewhat of a uh, iconic book, really. I'll read out the, the blurb. Uh, One spring morning in 1957, veteran photojournalist David Douglas Duncan DDD for short, paid a visit to his friend and frequent photographic subject, Pablo Picasso, at the artist's home near Cannes. As a co-pilot alongside Duncan in his Mercedes Goldwing 300 SL was the oh. photographer's pet, the pet dashand, Lump. Yeah. Uh, photographer and dog were close companions, but Duncan's nomadic lifestyle and his other dog, a giant jealous Afghan hound who had a, a tormented Lump, uh, made their life in Rome difficult. When they arrived at Picasso's uh, villa on that historic day, Lumper decided that he had found paradise on earth and that he would move in with Picasso, whether the artist welcomed him or not. <laughs> this is the background for a totally original book that offers an uncommonly sensitive portrait of Picasso. Lump was immortalized in a Picasso portrait painted on the plate the day they met. But that was just the beginning in a suite of 45 paintings, reinterpreting uh, masterpieces, uh, Picasso replaced the impassive hound in the foreground with jaunty renderings of Lump. Oh, my God. I, this picture of Lump, which is the line drawing, yeah, which is just simply called Dog by Pablo Picasso, that, yeah. <laughs> that picture is hanging up at a, uh, at a venue I went to only a couple of weeks ago. That's Lump. That's Lump. I Lump. never knew. I, yeah. So you, everybody, anybody who knows anything about art will 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 recognise Lump as soon as they see the picture. Yeah. Because he's you know he has been featured a lot, but the book is not about the, um, the art of Picasso. It's a it's a photo story 
the photo essay of uh, you know of Picasso himself, um, and you know and and the relationship with the dog, and the dog is in most of the pictures, and mm. you know all of that kind of stuff. So here I've just turned to page eighteen. One afternoon, Picasso started a new day while Lump was exploring the home he had just chosen for himself. <laughs> I, love the, I love the fact this dog's just going, yeah, this will do. <laughs> um, after glancing up at me, he looked around the garden at La California, which was his house. This is titled Goodbye Gypsy, and uh, I'll just move forward a bit. Yeah, it's lovely, lovely kind of black and white picture. Mostly, if you're a Picasso fan, then you know you're going to find this really interesting yeah. because it's it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. And lots of, there's lots of silly pictures as well, aren't there? Just it's very quirky. Darkness, yeah. So, yeah. Esmeralda was tied to Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. Her hitching post. <laughs> Picasso and Jacqueline walked together, sharing spring sunshine, while Lump nearly choked himself, driven by curiosity about his new home, um, Esmeralda being a goat, by the looks of it. Yeah, it's lovely. It really is. I haven't had time to to look through it too much, but it's a beautiful book and uh, fun, fun book. And I know Picasso has, uh, you know, he's not everybody's favourite person or wasn't everybody's favourite person. Artist, yeah. um, he was devi- yeah. divisive in the art world, that's for sure. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good way of determining terminology there's, there's a there is a lovely picture from the book where he's uh, where picasso is lighting up a cigarette and uh, J- jacqueline who would have been his other half yes mm-hmm. yeah, am i right with that i think so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and was sat there and she's got lump on her lap and picasso has just finished the the plate picture of lump and uh, the next thing the next i would imagine the next picture in this sequence is that lump comes round to look at the plate and you can see him sort of, and um, Picasso's showing him um, the, the, the plate and Lump's looking at it and that kind of like, it's all right, I suppose. I mean, you've, it's a bit 2D, isn't it? Probably worth a couple of mil, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, uh, it's absolutely, I mean, I, I just love it. I love it because it's, I just didn't have any idea this book existed. Um, and as soon as I opened it up and I saw the dog, I was like, oh, my God, you know, so many things fell into place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the beautiful, the back page, the very last um, spread on the back is just a, a portrait of Lump, uh, him looking directly in the camera. And it just says, Amigos Forever. And then it says, Picasso, 1881 to 1973, Lump. 1956 to 1973. Hmm. What a lovely story. It is a lovely story. A really nice book. Uh, it is um, Thames and Hudson is the publisher. You can get it in uh, all kinds of other places, I would imagine. And uh, yeah, I really like it. I really, really like it. Very nice. I just I, look, I was, I'm going to take this home and put this on my coffee table. I, I was looking at the, uh, there's a legacy story about Lump. Uh, the painted plate that Picasso created on their first meeting was donated to the Harry Ransom Centre. Similar painted plates, though, have sold at auction for between $20,000 and $90,000 each. Picasso mm. painted 44 studies uh, of Lump. Oh, no, Lump only appeared in 15 of them. Well, how does that work out? Anyway, Lump was worth a lot of money, basically. Uh, yeah. Lump had Lump. an absolutely pampered life. Picasso once said, Lump? Ah. He's not a dog. He's not a little man. He's somebody else. Indeed. Yeah, it is a really nice story, isn't it? Yeah. Love it. Love it. Oh. A little bit of human humanity to a, to you know to a person that is is elevated probably above uh, most people's understanding of their personality. Yeah. There's a nice end to this. Sorry, um, Kev. I, um, Lump. I thought there's going to be a really sort of sad story, but in 1964, Lump was found to be unwell. He was suffering from a spinal condition leaving him without the use of his back legs. 
And the local vet decided not to feed him anymore, and that was it. They were going to put Lump to sleep. But they sought a second opinion. They took Lump to Stuttgart in Germany, where they found a specialist vet who treated him over several months, and Lump went on to live for another 10 years. There we go. Yeah, very nice. Happy you know, ending. Like the same year as Picasso. Oh, yeah. 10 days before Picasso. Oh, same, same wow. year I was born. 1973? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Blimey, Kev. That <laughs> means it's the big birthday this year. Big 5 What are you doing for it? You're away, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to go away. Yeah. Six weeks. I'm going to pick the kids up from school. The day they finish, we can get in the car and we're just going to drive. You're back to Spain for a whole month, aren't you? Six weeks. Well, hopefully that's where we'll end up. Yeah. But yes. But yeah, we're going to just go. Go somewhere. Brilliant. I don't know where. Merthyr. <laughs> the Goodness Estate. Put Albert. Places I, like that. I don't think Merthyr, Kev. <laughs> right, your question from Facebook. Is it my question? Yeah. Oh, we- oh is it my turn? It yeah, my- it's your turn. All right, okay. This is quite a new one. Uh, this is uh, Yuski Yaskalainen. Yaskalainen, I would say, because there was a Yaskalainen that played for Liverpool. That's how you pronounced it. Uh, hey, Neil. Hey, Kev. Long-time listener, first-time writer. Uh, first up, thanks for the show, both informative and relaxing mm-hmm. for some nice afternoon walks. You are, as always, looking for more questions, so I've got a couple for you. Uh, one, when shooting F-Log on the X-T4... And 16 to 55, 2.8 lens in manual exposure mode. Follow along, Kev. I get slight variations in exposure when zooming in or out whilst recording. What mm. causes this to happen? How do I avoid it? Yeah, I think uh, I, that, that was a bug. Um, I, whether they fixed that in, I, I, like, I know that that was a thing, that there mm-hmm. was an exposure shift when the lens was kind of breathing through. Um, which it shouldn't be if you're shooting manually. So, yeah, there was there, whether there was a firmware update for either the lens or the camera, I do not know, but it was a thing. But, yeah, uh, if if they haven't fixed it, then you can't fix it. Because immediately I was going to say, turn off or, um, your auto ISO, because he said manual exposure mode. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Uh, and, yeah. and the only reason I know that is because we had a question about it previously, mm. similar question, in the Facebook group, and I ended up speaking to one of the engineers in Japan about it, and they were... They they said yes that's that is something that we're aware of and should be fixed so uh, i would yeah uh, xt4 is you don't doubt there'll be many more if any firmware updates for the xt4 in the future i may well be very wrong on that so mm. get your latest firmware in there see if that fixes it if not give uh fujifilm support a call and see if they have any other workarounds for it who are you going to call uh, do people actually write yadi this is his second question do people actually write yadi yadi yada in the questions, or do you simply add it in yourself when you're reading them out loud? Uh, thanks for the show. Best regards. You see Yaska Line and P.S. I, see, I should have read this bit first. I am not the footballer, just to make that clear. Oh, I was getting so excited. Yeah. There uh, we go. Well, it might have been. There's no reason why Yaska Line wouldn't have been a fond photographer. No, this is very true. And he yeah. would have had a great place to make pictures, wouldn't he? Look at that. Look at that past he's had. Anyway, do we add the yada yada in? No, often they now come with the yada 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 complete, don't they? <laughs> that seems to have stopped. I stopped doing yada yada yada. Yeah. Well, Amazing. maybe you should add it in again, Kev. Yeah, I will. Next mm. time people start saying we love the podcast and stuff, I'm just going to go yada 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 yada. yada, yada. yada, yada, yada That's yada. where it started. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that lovely gentleman who came up to me last night and said, oh, I love the podcast. I should have just gone yada 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 yada. <laughs> should have done. You might have thought you were a bit strange. In a, in a, in a bald short man's huff. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Uh, 
Have we got time for, for one more? Uh, have we got a, a, sh- a short one from Facebook? Uh, yeah, I'm sure I can. Um, I nearly said it then, Kev. I nearly said it. I stopped myself. Uh, yeah. Uh, right, short one. Let's go. Um, okay, Sam Huntley says, Hi, fellas. Do you convert your raw files from .raf mm. to .dng file format? Cheers. Short answer, no. Yes, no. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and why don't you, Kev? Uh, there's just not really any point, is there? DNG was is an open source, was meant to be open source um, format, a non-proprietary format um, made by Adobe. So that, like, if all cameras use that, then everything would be great. But it never worked out that way. No. So uh, it's not really necessary. Although some people do convert to DNG if the raw converters do not support their cameras yet. For example, when there's a new camera out, etc., etc. But Sam, no, the idea, the answer is no. You do not need to. Some pieces of software such as um, like alien skin exposure or some other bits and pieces that you can plug into some applications might convert to a DNG, but you should have an option to convert to TIFF instead, in which case I would suggest you choose TIFF. Oh, would you? Not not, uh, not raw. All right, okay. And that's it. Well, thank you very much for that. Now, Kev, um, there's a bonus part of today, that bonus part being thanks to our wonderful sponsors, pick-time.com. Um, which if you are a photographer then this is just the the best way to show your work online following a gig to have really very attractive galleries sell your work sell them straight into uh, pro- producing and providing albums prints all sorts of stuff i know i can speak on behalf of us both with um, uh, with complete confidence kev when i i say i think it made well not not i think no it made um, all the difference in my print sales personally. What about yours? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, don't forget you can get a free month with the code FUJICAST, all up the case. And if you hang around, you will listen to the interview between myself, Narita, and Amir. And that's going to be about the new blogging um, system, yeah? The new blogging features, but also really interesting kind of um, history of the company. Right. Okay. So that's uh, it's a bonus edition. Um, which is immediately after this, immediately after you hear us say, we shall see you next time. Bye, Ken. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way. So today, uh, everybody, we have Amir and Narit, who are the founders, co-founders of PickTime, um, who have kind of been sponsoring the show for a few months. Um, so Amir and Narit, welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit about uh, the background of PickTime, where it came about, the story and all of that stuff. Okay, so... Um... Um, me and Nirit, actually, we are also a couple in life outside of big time. And Nirit is a photographer. I'm coming from a computer science background. And basically, Nirit had the idea a very long time ago, in 20, uh, 2005. <laughs> and, but it took us some time until we the opportunity presented that we'll start and uh, work on that. Uh, we launched in 2016. We launched uh, for... Uh, the independent photographers, big time for independent photographers. We did some work before that for white labels and so on. In 2016, we started uh, uh, working, uh, uh, launching the platform for independent photographers. And since then, uh, this is uh, our focus and uh, what we do. 
the, the concept in a, in a nutshell, what we're trying to help photographers leverage their photos, whether it's art or for client, for pay, and leverage it to the maximum business potential online. So to maximize the traffic, the brand uh, uh, impact, the online sales, um, the relationship with their customers. So this is where we focus uh, all our energy around. Wonderful, wonderful, and, and it is a really beautiful product. I've been using it for for many years, and we've seen uh, various updates and modifications. And I know in the the Pig Time Facebook community is is very active, and and you have an active role in that. And so the communication from the photographers back to you and the development team is, is critical. Um, and 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 it's great to see it, you know, grow and mature and become this this amazing tool that I think. Uh, you know, all professional photographers really would would should embrace. Um, and now we have something very new that's coming uh, to pick time in the in the not too distant future. Um, and I think we we can talk about it now. And uh, do you want to explain a little bit more about the uh, this new um, blogging feature? And I, I've had a, a preview of it, and I'm I'm absolutely amazed by it. So it it looks like a, a great addition. Okay. And so just uh, to answer uh, or to relate to something you said about uh, we are uh, pushing updates and so on, this is uh, one of the core, I think, uh, uh, values uh, in big time is to all the time to be dynamic, to change, to improve the product. And uh, we have a long roadmap uh, ahead of us. Uh, we, we think that uh, this area of helping photographers leverage the photos uh, to business, uh, there's a lot of uh, innovation that can be done around it. And this is, a, so it's interesting for us because it's all the time, it's a search and we balance, like you said in the group, we balance some of the work from feedback we're getting from photographers and also things that we want to push, uh, new things we want to push into the market. But um, this is a very exciting, actually, the, this uh, direct connection with customers and the ability to immediately have an impact, implement that into the system. It's actually it's very cool we had, situation. We have a long debate about... Uh, you know, uh, holding a group without a uh, modific, modif uh, how do you call Mod it? Moderating it, yeah. Without moderating it is mm -hmm. a thing. I don't know how much you're aware, but there are a lot of groups where you only see like positive things and ex like uh, coming in, uh, with the answer already. And it's like a, a beautiful pink word. So mm -hmm. our group is like something else. It's very, very, sometimes it's not reflecting exactly the reality. But it, it's like very lively. And this is something that Amir really want to keep it as is with all the sometimes things are not like um, correct. Pleasant to hear. <laughs> yeah, pleasant to hear. Or, you know, it's a user mistake. There are all kinds of things, but we, we learn from it so much. Uh, the, the ability to leave it really open for yeah. our users is something that we see as something that we gain from it a lot. So this is part of it, you know, how yeah. we, how the, the, like the product is growing. Another thing that I wanted to say about the product is you can see the amount of a um, team that is in the product versus, for example, uh, um, the marketing. So the product team in PICTEM is really big. Uh, there are companies where it's different um, proportions. And right. I think that we really care a lot about the product and we have um, indefinite 
passion to bring uh, new things for photographers. Um, yeah. So that's about that. Now you can talk about the blogs. Yeah. So, yeah. so did that come directly from, was this something that you picked up in the uh, feedback from the community, uh, the idea of blogging, or was this something that you had on the roadmap a long time ago? So no, actually, no, it, we didn't have it on the roadmap. Uh, we did have the slideshows, for example. And we did have, and we do have other stuff uh, coming, uh, like the marketing that we did in the past, and the, the new uh, things uh, on the road. But actually, blogging came from interaction with uh, uh, with photographers, and it is becoming part of the strategic uh, platform that we are uh, building. Uh, it came from a webinar, I think. Uh, yeah, it came from a webinar with two men that described their uh, workflow. And they said that the first thing they're doing is blogging. And that was the moment that I, Amir really thought, ah, really? Oh, okay. Then you need to do blogs. Yeah. No, no it, it was a teaser. It was, it was a teaser, yeah. But yeah. that was the seed, like yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the spark. Yeah, it was, uh, it was there. actually we were not part i was not part i was sitting in the living room watching it on the tv <laughs> it was our webinar but uh, yeah and they mentioned the workflow and it sounds very it made sense so when it made sense then we started to investigate and we saw there's um first of all almost all photographers we met says blogging is important and almost all of them said in the last 12 to 18 months they didn't do it, yeah. which was kind of a, a very interesting gap. And then we started to explore. And so the, basically we are launching now the first version, there's uh, updates uh, coming, but we see a lot of potential in the curated uh, blogging uh, experience. And the, the main focus we took for this uh, product, and it, it integrates with our general vision of helping use the photos to leverage. In, in this case, it's more the marketing branding than the online sales, but it's still, it's on our uh, core mission. And um, the main thing we are focusing is to help photographers. So those who do today blogging, that's fine. You can continue to do blogging the way you are, uh, where you do. We don't, it's not, we're, we're not obsessed of moving people to our platform or to mm -hmm. our, if they're already in the platform to use the specific feature just for the sake of them doing so. Uh, the main thing here is to help those that think it's important and it's too complicated or they're finding themselves not doing it because it's too much effort for them to reduce it and to enable them to do that. So there's a lot of focus on how to make it easy and fast for photographers to incorporate this important tool and then how to easily deploy it into websites, just a landing page for your uh, client, just to give them uh, the blog as is or to post it on social media. So all this envelope around it on easy making and easy sharing. So this is the main focus that we took for this product. Yeah, and and, and it looks amazing. I've seen the preview of it and uh, and you, you're dead right because the, uh, you, you know, the problem we all have as photographers is, especially kind of wedding social photographers, is that by the time you typically blog maybe a few months after the event and you've delivered the gallery and, you know, the, the, the pick time gallery's gone out, the slideshow's gone out, everybody's happy, and then it's time to blog. And then you have to go back to your Lightroom catalogue. You have to think about that. You have to find the images again. And I just love this idea of just going, actually, they're all there. They're there already in the gallery. I can just select the images. And the layouts are beautiful because one of the things that I think is so well conceived with PicTime is the uh, is the, is just the design, the overall 
um, feel of the product is, you know, feels just right, luxurious almost, you know, and it's, I, I sell my pick time clients, I, I sell my um, pick time gallery to my clients as an added benefit, you know, so you will get this website, this private, mm -hmm. website. you have full control and, you know, look at this, this, and I show it to them and they're like, wow, that's great, you know, that, that will be ours and I say, yeah, of course. <laughs> And now this ability to uh, to blog and stuff will will take it forward. And, and I think one of the one of the main questions that I think people will have is how how will that operate? So let's just say, um, for example, myself, I have a Squarespace website, and I, you know, I blog on there. How will this manifest itself? How will uh, if I create a blog post in PickTime, will it be a some kind of link back, or is it can it be integrated like the slideshows? How will it work? So uh, you can integrate that in, into uh, into uh, Squarespace. Just take a, a code uh, from PickTime, and then you integrate it as a code block or HTML block. I, I don't remember exactly how it's called in Squarespace, but it's like a simple integration into the site. After you do that, you may change, modify things in PickTime. They will reflect in the Squarespace. Uh, so it's not something you need to keep on doing if you have uh, something to modify on the blog itself. So it'll be just like integrating a slideshow currently with uh, yeah. Squarespace, same yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And the blog itself actually has the and also integration embedding uh, capability. So you can embed slideshows in the blog. You can embed videos in the blog. You can embed also other code, like other sites, like we do into Squarespace. You can also take, let's say, Calendly or Google Maps or these type of things and also integrate them into part as part of your blogs. The idea, again, is to create this curated experience. And workflow-wise, you mentioned the workflow, let's say, post-publish uh, workflow where you, the gallery went out and now you come back and uh, doing the blog. There's also the workflow, which is supported. So when you do the, uh, the blog, you can use, let's say, favorites that people did in order to filter which photos you want. Uh, you, can use, um, you can use any collection in PicTime. Even people, you can use the slideshow as a collection. You can use orders as a collection, favorites. So the idea is to make it easy for you to select the photos from that sense. But workflow-wise, we are trying to push also that on Lightroom, when you edit, you will rate, let's say, five stars for the blog, four stars for the slideshow, and so on. PickTime knows to, when you export to PickTime, people, uh, PickTime knows to recognize these uh, stars. So in Lightroom, when you go through photos, you can already map the candidates that you want for each, uh, each uh, channel. And then in peak time, it's very easy to filter. Give me the five stars plus this one and, and create a blog. And we invested a lot. You said about the design. This, it was very good to hear that, that this is how you feel because it is one of the major values. It's like the design and the technology. The design is the first one. And we invested a lot in the design. Yeah, and it all comes together so well. It's just, uh, you know, it's a it's a complete package that, that I think, you know, I, like, like you just mentioned again, that, you know, it just feels like it all works together it doesn't feel like you've got three different platforms three different providers you know uh, slideshows galleries blogs all of that kind of stuff it just works which is you know the nicest thing about it really it's just 
working, which is great. Now, the blogging element, will that be a um, extra subscription, like yeah, HD slideshows, or will it will it be part of the existing um, pricing scheme? Do you know that yet, or is that up for discussion? It's even a, it's it's not just the data. It's like a whole theory around it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not just the detail, you know, it's deciding if it's included or not. It's like really a whole per, uh, perception of... Uh, giving uh, the the full solution for products that will elevate uh, the value of your image uh, because we believe it should be part of the workflow and it's so essential for photographers today to be present in different ways you know it's not just the gallery there's also in social there's also the blog we didn't talk about it but the blog is like people are coming back to it because social is you know, it's uh, such a hard place uh, with algorithm and everything. You can't really control a lot of things. Your visibility can be limited, can be great, but can also be limited. The videos are first. There are so many changes happening there. So the blog is still like such a reliable way. So because we believe that this is should be part of the workflow, we offer it as part of our packages of the professional ones. But Amir... Do you want to add something about it? Yes. Basically, this is a little better to say, but didn't say the, the, the final word. We call it complete. Like you said, it's right. a complete solution. We call our package complete, and it's kind of a philosophy. Usually, software companies break their products into pieces. Uh, it is better uh, economically for software because um, it helps uh, sometimes it redu- helps reduce the price and then you have people that uh, will go for that it helps you make different perception of the product and there were a lot of debates and we decided to go with the concept of complete and the main thing is it's important for us that photographers that use us will be successful we don't want them to start saying i i won't use this feature i don't i want them we want them to use as much as they can in order to maximize the business and it's very important to us that the community of users we have will improve or progress and all the time uh, adapt uh, new workflows because it's changing also for photographers, not only for us as a software company. The world is changing. You need all the time to adapt and you need uh, your workflow to use different channels and different ways. So the slideshow is included, the blogs is included, marketing is included. So we kind of made one package and we say, please use whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Excellent. The short answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah, it's included. It's included. Brilliant. I think that's what everybody wanted to hear. Okay, so I know I know that you're both very busy, so I won't I won't keep you any longer. Um, thank you so much for your time and uh, your, your support for the podcast, um, most importantly. But thank you also, I think, from every single wedding photographer I certainly know for um, creating big time because I, I think it's uh, you know it's been a game changer for a lot of people. Thank you so much. It's great to hear that. Much.